This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 139. A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1986. Designing Women premiered on CBS on September 29, 1986, at 9.30 p.m. Meet the team at Sugar Bakers, an Atlanta-based interior design firm. Matriarch and widow Julia, Dixie Carter, Julia's sister and former beauty queen Suzanne, Delta Burke, divorcee Mary Jo, Annie Potts, and business manager Charlene, Jean Smart. There's also delivery man and later partner Anthony, Mishak Taylor, Priscilla Weems and Brian Lando played Mary Jo's kids, and George Newburn played Julia's son. Julia has a boyfriend, played by Hal Holbrook, Carter's real-life husband, and Mary Jo's boyfriend is played by Richard Gilliland, Smart's real-life husband. Over time, the cast grew. Sitcom legend Alice Ghostly as Daffy Bernice, Doug Barr as Charlene's boyfriend-slash-husband, They had a baby girl when Smart became pregnant in real life. Michael Goldfinger played the Sugar Baker's electrician. After a major spat among the cast, more on that in a moment, Burke departed, replaced by Julia Duffy playing Suzanne's cousin. A year later, she was gone, replaced by Judith Ivey as a wealthy widow. Jan Hooks was added as Charlene's naive sister. Cheryl Lee Ralph played a showgirl who Anthony married in Vegas. There was even a cousin Oliver in the form of Lexi Randall, who played a young girl left in Julia's care when her parents moved to Europe. Does this ever happen in real life? Parents move overseas and just decide they can't or won't take their kid? We covered Dixie Carter in episode 88 for On Our Own, Delta Burke in episode 110 for Filthy Rich, which co-starred Dixie Carter, Annie Potts in episode 101 for Good Time Girls, Richard Gilliland in episode 87 for Operation Petticoat, Alice Ghostly in episode 46 for Bewitched, Doug Barr in episode 101 for When the Whistle Blows, Julia Duffy in episode 113 for Newhart, and we'll cover Cheryl Lee Ralph when we get to her starring sitcom. Jean Smart started out in regional theater. She's from Seattle and would later be nominated for a Broadway production of The Man Who Came to Dinner. She was a regular, or recurred on, Teachers Only, Reggie, and Maximum Security prior to Designing Women. Other TV work? High Society, Style and Substance, Frasier, winning two guest star Emmys, In-Laws, The District, Emmy nomination, Center of the Universe, 24, two Emmy noms and a SAG nom, Samantha Who, Emmy win, Stuff My Dad Says, Hawaii Five-O, Harry's Law, Emmy nomination, Fargo, Emmy nomination, Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, Dirty John, Legion, Watchmen, Emmy nomination, with voice work on The Oblongs, 
Kim Possible, and Big Mouth. Films include Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, The Odd Couple 2, Sweet Home Alabama, Garden State, I Heart Huckabees, and The Accountant. 2021 has been a big year for Smart, the film Senior Moment, and two TV shows, Mayor of Easttown and Hacks, both of which have generated Emmy noms and a win for Hacks. It was also the year she lost her husband, Richard Gilliland, who she met while working on Designing Women. Mishak Taylor studied drama in college, but left just short of graduating for a job hosting a local community affairs show and as a reporter. He went into regional and touring theater, including a national tour of hair, then moved to L.A. doing a number of guest TV roles. He was a regular or recurred on Buffalo Bill, Dave's World, and Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Taylor hosted two lifestyle shows, The Urban Gardener and Meshach Taylor's Hidden Caribbean, and co-hosted on Living Live. Films include Damien, Omen 2, The Howling, and Mannequin. He was nominated for an Emmy on Designing Women. Taylor died of cancer in 2014. Priscilla Weems was a regular on Five Mile Creek prior to Designing Women. Brian Lando was a regular on Paradise prior to the series, after which he went behind the camera as a producer of a ton of lifestyle shows, including House Hunter's Family, Guy's Big Project, Restaurant Impossible, A Very Brady Renovation, and Guy's Grocery Games. George Newbern started as a child actor in regional theater and guest TV roles. He was a regular on the TV version of Working Girl during the designing run. Other regular or recurring TV work, Courthouse, The Boys Are Back, Chicago Hope, Bowl, the 2001 series, Providence, Reunion, Nip Tuck, Granite Flats, Scandal, and Law and Order Special Victims Unit. He's also known for his voice work, Pirates of Darkwater, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as Superman, The Batman, DCU Videos, and Video Games Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. Films include Adventures in Babysitting and Father of the Bride. How Holbrook's parents abandoned him so his grandparents took him and his sisters in. He attended Denison University where a project about Mark Twain led to a one-man show that he performed for decades starting in 1954. Ed Sullivan saw his performance and got him national exposure on his legendary series. At one point, he performed it in a European tour set up by the State Department. A CBS production earned him an Emmy, and there were Broadway runs in 1966, 1977, and 2005. The first won him a Tony, and the last had Holbrook playing Twain when he was older than his character. Holbrook also appeared in Broadway's After the Fall, Incident at Vichy, Man of La Mancha, and The Apple Tree. Like most Broadway actors, he has a run on a soap, The Brighter Day, in the late 50s. Other TV work? The Bold Ones, The Senator, which got him an Emmy win, Pueblo, another Emmy, Lincoln, another Emmy, North and South, Portrait of America, a fourth Emmy, Evening Shade, from the same creator as Designing Women, The Event, and Sons of Anarchy. Films include The Group, Wild in the Streets, The Great White Hope, Magnum Force, All the President's Men, as Deep Throat, Midway, Capricorn One, The Fog, Creepshow, The Firm, The Majestic, Into the Wild, with Oscar and Sag noms, and Lincoln. Holbrook passed this year at age 95. 
Michael Goldfinger recurred on Mr. Belvedere prior to Designing Women, did a lot of guest TV work, and appeared in films Home Alone 2 and Men in Black. Judith Ivey is better known for her stage work, Steaming, winning a Tony and Drama Desk Award, Hurley Burley, a second Tony and Drama Desk, Park Your Car in Harvard Yard, Tony Nam, The Heiress, Tony Nam. She appeared in films Harry and Son, The Woman in Red, In Country, A Life Less Ordinary, Flags of Our Fathers. Ivy was a regular or recurred on TV's Down Home, The Five Mrs. Buchanan's, The Critic, Voice Work, Buddies, White Collar, The Family, and New Amsterdam. Jan Hooks got her start in the improv troupe The Groundlings. She recurred on HBO's Not Necessarily the News and appeared in films Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Wildcats, all before she started a long run on SNL, 86-91. She appeared in Batman Returns soon after that, along with Designing Women. She had runs on Third Rock from the Sun, Primetime Glick, and The Simpsons as Manjula. Hooks was very anxious about acting and did not work hard to get roles. Alcoholism did not help. Hooks passed in 2014 of cancer. She also was a longtime smoker. Designing Women did fairly well in the ratings, but CBS kept moving it around the schedule, and that resulted in cancellation. A major viewer writing campaign saved the show, and a move to pair it with Murphy Brown turned it into a hit in the top 30 in seasons 4 to 6, 2.8 on the Bazinga scale. It was moved to the Friday death slot, and the ratings collapsed. It was gone. Early reviews of the show pointed to the similarities to The Golden Girls. Four women as the leads, a lot of sniping back and forth, but they all loved each other. But that's a bit simplistic. There's the whole business angle, plus there are active family storylines. Producers Linda Bloodworth-Thompson and Harry Thompson were strong supporters of President Clinton. Julia was once stranded at an airport while trying to get to his inauguration. Charlene worked in his gubernatorial campaign. Allison went to the same school as Hillary. Ironically, the most strident liberal character was Julia. Dixie Carter was, in reality, a libertarian Republican. Every time her character gave a left-leaning monologue, which she did a lot, she cut a deal that she got to sing a song on the show. Now, when I say monologue, she nearly pulls out a soapbox before she starts, and there's always an applause break afterward. Despite a number of Emmy noms, the show only won a single time for hairstyling. Now, I mentioned friction on the set. When Delta Burke married Major Dad's Gerald McRaney in 1989, he reportedly allowed her to feel comfortable in her own skin to the point that he stocked a room with chocolate to prove his love beyond her beauty. This led to her gaining weight, which clashed with the character's ex-beauty queen image. He also convinced Burke that she was the real star of the show. The result was a feud between Burke, the rest of the cast, and the producers. Burke went on the Barbara Walters show and did a tell-all from her point of view. She asked to be released from her contract, which the producers assumed was a negotiation ploy. For a period of time, the rest of the cast had to learn two versions of the script— one with and one without Suzanne. The producers wrote her out of an episode, and she sued them. At one point, after Burke came in to film her scenes, then immediately left, the rest of the cast and producers came together, and they voted her out. Carter and Burke did not speak to each other for a decade, finally appearing together on Family Law in 2002. 
The Thompsons would mend fences earlier, signing up Burke for a delayed 1995 spinoff of the Suzanne character in the failed sitcom Women of the House, which we'll get to. Deciding women did well in second run, CBS even aired it daily during the show's primetime run, and then Lifetime ran it for a decade. Nick at Night, TV Land, Ion, Logo, Git TV, and Antenna TV followed. The show is also available on Hulu. Now, I watched an episode on YouTube. The opening theme is Georgia on My Mind. They included the episode title up front. Of course, virtually all sitcom episodes have titles, but unless you check your TV guide, you rarely see them. The quips go back and forth at breakneck speed. There are also long speeches. You would never hear people speak like this in real life. Wendy Jo Sperber plays a photographer's assistant and sells every line. There's a Lucy reference in the episode, and we get the Lucy theme at the closing. Better Days premiered on CBS on October 1st, 1986 at 8.30 p.m. Raphael Sabarge played a California kid whose parents, having financial problems, send him cross-country to live in Brooklyn with his grandfather, played by Dick O'Neill. He has troubles fitting in until he meets two street-smart friends, played by Chip McAllister and Guy Killam. Randy Heller plays the teacher and Randall Battenkoff, a yuppie classmate. Now, we covered Dick O'Neill in episode 120 for Empire. Raffle Sabarge's mother was a costume designer, his father a stage director. Raphael was on the stage by age nine, going on to multiple short-lived Broadway shows. He moved into TV and got a lot of guest roles, getting regular or recurring roles on Star Trek Voyager, Profiler, The Guardian, 24, Prison Break, The Young and the Restless, Murder in the First, Once Upon a Time, His films include Risky Business, Vision Quest, Independence Day, and Pearl Harbor. Sabarge produced and directed the series on Begley Street in 2013 and did voice work on Star Wars and Mass Effect games. Randy Heller played Rizzo in Broadway's Grease, as well as one of the first lesbian characters on TV's Soap. Other TV work, Mama Maloney, Boys Will Be Boys, Judging Amy, Mad Men, Wilfred, and Cobra Kai, as well as films Fast Break, The Karate Kid, and Monster-in-Law. Randall Battenkoff appeared in films For Keeps, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, As Good As It Gets, and TV's Christie and Relativity. Better Days only had a four-week run with seven episodes never aired. People Magazine's reviewer called it a shockingly racist sitcom that looked as if it had been produced by South African TV. Could only find the opening theme online, which apparently had the goal of including better days as many times as possible. More of 1986's sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. 
Follow us on Twitter at SFKPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFKPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.